must be Friday, and it must be seven o'clock because it's time for the Bresbet Racing Show here on Three Valleys Radio. We've got all the regulars on the show tonight Gavin over here, Jamie Snowden, Mick Schofield, Dave. Wilson, Colin Brown, you name it, they'll all be here. And we'll be able to look at the uh, the King George, which was one hell of a race, that's for sure. Bit of a surprise result, though. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bresbet Racing Show here on Three Valleys Radio. I hope you've had a wonderful Christmas, and I'm sure you've enjoyed the racing, especially the King George, which we'll talk about a bit later. But in the meantime, let's get started and all the news from Mike Padden. Hello and a very warm welcome along to the racing news. With all the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life, I'm Mike Padden. Welcome to this week's news. Here's our first story this week. Star novice chaser Mike Drogo, who had been a 7-to-1 shot for the Turner's Novices Chase at the Cheltenham Festival in March, has been ruled out for the rest of the season. Trainer Dan Skelton tweeted on Monday morning, Unfortunately, Mike Drogo will miss the remainder of the season. We scanned in this morning after feeling heat in his near fore tendon, and whilst it is a very small lesion and will heal, it just requires time. An impressive winner of last season's Mersey Novices Hurdle at Aintree, Mydrogo fell in dramatic circumstances on his chase debut at Cheltenham in November, but he returned to that course this month to make up for the mishap with a first success over the fences. The six-year-old, who was four from four over hurdles, has always been held in high regard by connections and showed his ability with a seven-length victory over Torn and Frayed. Although Skelton admitted Mydrogo's jumping was not, quote, silky, the bookmakers were impressed enough to cut him a 7-1 to from 8 for the Turners. Bob Ollinger topped the betting in the anti-post market, and following the news of Mydrogo's absence, his odds shortened up to 6-4 to from 7-4. to Mydrogo had been expected to appear back at Cheltenham next in the Grade 2 Paddy Power Novices Chase, known traditionally as the Dipper, on New Year's Day. And here's our next story. Conditional jockey Danny Burton hailed trainer Sam Drinkwater as the person who, quote, relit his career after the duo teamed up for a surprise victory with gentle fire in the bumper. The £5 claimer stepped away from professional riding in 2018, having ridden just six winners in an eight-year spell. But he returned to the weighing room once the sport resumed last summer after the first COVID-19 lockdown. He failed to ride a winner last season, but the 35-year-old landed the fourth win of his campaign on the 16-1 outsider, Gentle Fire, who showed an impressive turn of foot to score by two lengths. Burton said, I'm based with Sam five mornings a week, and he's put a lot of trust in me. At my age, as a conditional still, he's relit my career from the time I had out. I dropped away and tried my hand at a new career as a gardener, but I missed racing so much. I got my point-to-point licence in my time away and did that for a season. When the sport came back, I was determined to come back as a conditional. 
It was the best decision I ever made. The tough times continued for Burton during his sabbatical, having suffered a serious injury, which also caused him to have doubts about his own ability in the saddle. He said, I broke three vertebrae in my back and had more time off. It was hard to get back from. With my history of my brother breaking his back too, it played a lot on my mind. I've been quite a self-doubter and I thought I was never good enough, but Sam just fills my confidence. I trust every horse I ride for him. Drinkwater enjoyed a double when Gallic Geordie landed a third course and distance victory with an effortless win in the two-mile handicap chase. And next up, here on the Racing News. Rachel Blackmore was perplexed at Manila Indo's uncharacteristic flop in the King George VI chase, in which the Cheltenham Gold Cup hero was pulled up in a race won by outsider Tornado Flyer. The Henry de Bromhead-trained eight-year-old was the 132nd favourite for the three-mile grade one, and despite racing prominently in the first-time cheek pieces in the early stages, he lost his position down the back straight on the second circuit and did not respond to Blackmore's urges. Minella Indo was pulled up for the first time in his career before the third last as his Irish-trained counterpart landed an easy re-victory at 28-1 and Blackmore was at a loss to why he put in such a poor performance. Speaking immediately after the race, she said, I was beaten a long way from home and there is no obvious excuse. I can't blame the ground or the track. It was just very disappointing. Chantry House, who had been backed into 3-1 to favouritism after a surge of support in the morning, was in trouble even earlier at the start of the second circuit and was pulled up down the back straight by Nico de Bonville. However, trainer Nicky Henderson was adamant it was a one-off performance, saying, He hated the ground, he hated the track, but he'll be fine. It was one of those days and you can forget about that performance. Froden tired in the closing stages to finish a 21-length fourth in an unsuccessful defence of his King George crown as he completed a 2, 3 and 4 in the race for trainer Paul Nichols. But regular partner Bryony Frost was proud of his efforts. She said, He's awesome and we had a fair crack at it. He's tried and gave everything he's got. The ground was very soft out there and I was cursing when the rain was coming down yesterday. It was never going to be great for him. It was too soft, which meant the race had more focus on staying power, which didn't suit us. I don't know where he could go next. Asterion for long appeared unscathed after falling at the final fence when in second, the fourth time he has failed to complete in his chasing career. Next up, here on the Racing News. The familiar service of Nicky Henderson and owner J.P. McManus dominating the Christmas hurdle resumed in glorious fashion as Epitante showed her sparkle and style remains by regaining her crown in a performance the trainer insisted was champion hurdle worthy. An imperious winner in 2019, as she burst onto the scene before a Cheltenham heroics, Epitonde's domination of the two-mile division came to an abrupt halt when beaten as the one-to-five favourite by the ill-fated Silverstreak 12 months ago. Comprehensive defeats in the Champions Hurdle and the Punchestown equivalent saw her title as the two-mile hurdly division's queen claimed by Honeysuckle. But this was the real Epitonde who blossomed out from the shadows with her trademark low, slick hurdling technique in evidence once more. She brushed aside her fighting fifth dead-heat counterpart, not-so-sleepy, four flights from home before scooting away to a a two-and-a-quarter-length win under Nico de Bonville.
It left Henderson purring at the thought of another crack at the champion hurdle, for which she was shortened into 8-1 to from 10-1 to by Betfair Sportsbook and Paddy Power. He said, that was a champion hurdle performance. It's another bridge when we get there, but I suspect that's where we'll end up. Why not? She's still a very good mare, but so is Honeysuckle. She's all about speed. We expected to get a lead a lot longer than she did. Not so sleepy might have been a bit sleepy today, but there was no point taking her back and coming in behind. When she's on her A-game and jumping like that, why stop her? She's as genuine as the day is long. She's quick, and around here you might as well get used to it. It was a fourth Christmas hurdle in five years for Henderson, and a record-extending tenth for the trainer, as well as the ninth time McManus's famous green and gold hoops have graced the Kempton winner's enclosure in the race. However, more crucially for Epitante, it was a long-term plan produced to near perfection to get her back. Henderson said, We set out with two goals this season, the fighting fifth and the Christmas hurdle. That's what we wanted to win, and what happens after that, so be it. We've got difficult days ahead and have difficult decisions to make, but we've got one and a half out of two. We had to mend bits of her in the summer, and it's worked. She's back to herself. De Bonville proved the perfect super sub for Epitante, with regular rider Aidan Coleman forced to the sidelines following a suspension he picked up this month. De Bonville said, I was happy enough, and it didn't go to plan tactically. It was a messy race. She was quite happy bowling away and jumped for fun. I thought she was very good and exceptional at the last. It's unfortunate Aidan's not here today, but I'll take what I can get. Glory and Fortune outran his 28-1 to 1 odds to net a healthy £27,781 in second, a performance which left jockey Stan Shepherd delighted and perplexed in equal measure. He said, that was a massive run, but he's thrown his handicap mark out of the window. I think they have just gone very fast on soft ground. I don't think he has improved £20 anyway. And our final story on today's racing news. Native River has been retired following his disappointing run in the Coral Welsh Grand National on Monday, being hailed as, quote, an absolute legend by assistant trainer Joe Tizard. The 11-year-old failed to complete for the first time since January 2015, being pulled up under 11 stone 12 pounds, and his retirement was confirmed late on Monday evening. He developed into one of Jump Racing's most popular horses for trainer Colin Tizard, winning 14 times from 32 starts, including memorably defeating Might Might in a thrilling 2018 Cheltenham Gold Cup. Other successes included victory in the 2016 Hennessy Gold Cup and Welsh National, three wins in the Denman Chase and a memorable triumph in the Cotswold Chase last season at Sandown. Joe Tizard said, after speaking with his owner Garth and Anne Broom, we have taken the decision to retire Native River. He's been an absolute legend for us all. His wins in the Cheltenham Gold Cup, the Hennessy and the Coral Welsh Grand National were all massive, memorable days for Garth and Anne and the whole team. He's a lovely character and has been a special horse to train. He will now enjoy a happy and well-deserved retirement. He brought a new level of fame to owners Garth and Ambroom, who go under the name of Brocade Racing. They describe his rise to the top as, quote, an unbelievable journey. Garth Broom reflected, 
he doesn't owe us anything at all. He wasn't really enjoying himself, so he thought it was time to draw stumps. He gave us countless good days. I love the season. He won the Hennessy, the Welsh National and the Demon like bang, bang, bang. But obviously the Gold Cup is the absolute highlight. He's just been absolutely remarkable. It's been an unbelievable journey. We don't want to see him struggle, so we thought this was the best thing to do. He was a proper pet to us, but when he was on the race course, he had a core of steel. His jumping was the outstanding thing, but in his last few races, it wasn't as good as it had been. We feel this is the right time now he's pulled up and finished in one piece. He'll go back to Tom Malone, who bought him from us. He only lives down the road from us. This has been the Racing News, with all the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden, and may I wish you all the very, very best for the new year. Join us again next time for the Racing News. And now it's time to see where you can go racing over the weekend. Well, we start, there are seven races at headquarters at Cheltenham, of course, over the jumps with a 12.15 start. Six races over the jumps at Catrick with a 12.25 start. Six races at Musselburgh, also over the jumps, 12.30 start. There are seven races on the flat on the all-weather at Southall. And there are seven races over the jumps at Devon and Exeter are at 12.40. And faking them, there are also six races over the jumps there with a 12.45 start. I imagine there's a lot of you are like me who watch the racing coverage of ITV on a Saturday. Well, not just a Saturday these days, which is great. And the one person that everybody loves is our friend Luke Harvey. And this is how Luke got involved. You know, did you did you get any encouragement from the from the horse side of things at, from the school or not, or did you just go off and do your own thing and that was it? No, the complete opposite, actually. I mean, when I was, you know, I'm 55 now, so it's not a long time ago that I was at school, but it was looked upon as from 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 my sort of friends at school as it was a girls' thing to do, it was a sissy thing to do. People yeah. just didn't didn't do it, you know. Yeah. You know, we used to have the mick taken at me for riding for riding ponies and what have you, but. You know, it. I was totally single-mindedly determined to make a jockey. You know, I I, mm. I just couldn't I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Um, and you know, I, the minute I could, I left I left school at sixteen and and immediately um, left left Devon and went to Captain Tim Forster's, moved into a into the lads' hostel um, because I'd never been away from home. I can't remember ever spending a night away from. Luttrell Farm, where where we lived. Yeah. Um, so to go up there was it was quite a shock to the system. Um, and but Mum said I wasn't allowed to come home for six weeks. And I don't mind admitting I I probably cried for most of the first two or three. Um, I was I was terribly homesick. But once once I got into it, I don't think I could honestly say I've had a better sort of five or six years of my whole life. It was a yeah. Obviously, uh, the trainer, Captain Force, army background. So there was a sort of a how I'd imagine a boarding school would be. And, you know, it's it very, there, there were no ifs and buts. You start at six o'clock in the morning, first slot pulled out at half past seven, not at 25 past or 25 to. We said, Good morning, sir. Um, everyone was sir or madam. And yet yeah, it was, although very structured of what we did, it, it was absolutely brilliant, brilliant fun. And, you know, if, if anything, that's where I where I got my work ethic from. I think from those from those early years, 
you know, whatever nightclub or wherever we found ourselves, uh, we were always in work on time because if you didn't turn up, someone else had to do your work. So they made sure you were out of bed. So, yeah, it it was was really good for me. And um, presumably the fact that Tim Foster was a a jump trader was the way you went in, in that you went jump jockey as opposed to flat jockey. Yeah, although I'm, I'm look, I probably only weigh ten stone now, um, but Lucky I you. Was, yeah, I know. But I was still when when I when I left school, I was about eight eight and a half stone. So I was always I was always going to be pushing it. By the time I got a bit bigger, to actually um, to actually ride on the flat. But uh, my 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 roots have always been jumping things, whether it's logs in the woods, show jumps, cross country. You know, I that that was always the way I was going to go. Um, and it was, yeah, it, was, it was an interesting one, you know, when I moved into the, um, when I moved into the, the hostel, you know, on the, the room opposite me, there's a guy called Richard Westrop, who's now uh, one of the stewards, chief stewards, stipendary stewards for the uh, British Horse Racing Authority. Uh, two doors down was Michael Caulfield, who's now one of the leading uh, sports psychologists. So there was a, there was a the real cross-section of people. Mm. Um, you know, when you go into racing, not, not everyone wants to be a jockey, although I did. You know, some people just want to work with horses and and you know better themselves in the, in the job that they've got and so yeah it was it was quite a mixture yeah it sounds like it now I, I, again I read somewhere I think that you your first ride was this whether this was under rules or point to point I'm not sure but it was a bit of a disaster <laughs> my first ride under rules was uh, at Fakenham and the horse's form was one f one f. Mm. and uh that was over hurdles and it was his first go over fences and anyway i was i was a long way clear uh but the horse actually fell um <laughs> this, is a, this is a true story anyway I, it, the horse was ultimately okay but um he was winded and i was stuck underneath him um so the st john's ambulance that was then came over and the uh, st john's ambulance lady very kindly undid my skull cap and took my skull cap off with that, the horse thrashed out, kicked me in the back of the head, knocked me out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was fine before they helped, um, and I woke up in, in somewhere in Norfolk in the hospital. And of course, those days didn't had mobile phones or anything, so mm. I didn't appear back at work for three days. And Captain and everyone else wondered where I was, but there was no search party sent out for me, so I don't. <laughs> they didn't miss me that much. <laughs> but did, did the horse not die, or did I get that wrong? No, no, the horse was fine. No, he. Um, no. No, he was he was fine, but it was, yeah, it was it was a it was a, a pretty rough introduction. But you know that's that's basically the way I conducted myself from 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 early from early mm. doors. You know, I was used to riding rough ponies. You know, and if you didn't get on with them, you didn't have anything. And that was very much how I started race riding. In the sense of, look, I didn't get, you know, no, I had no no money or no to buy my own horse or had any relations or anything to do with racing. So you had to take what you could get. And so yeah, a lot yeah. of them were were pretty poor to be honest <laughs> and and um how long did you go point to point in before you you went under rules or did they run simultaneously they, they sort of ran simultaneously um i i had my first ride at 16 um captain forster there was an old horse in the yard that that couldn't win under rules so i i had him as a point to pointer um he won for me so which sort of got me going horse called when in rome um and then i and then i sort of mixed the t- who got my experience um, in point to points and you know ride roads and actually my 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 second winner was on a horse called Game Trust uh, and she was Richard Dunwoody's first ever winner. 
All right. So yeah. yeah. So you know, I, it was it, it was really nice. And so then, so then I started riding a bit under rules as a as an amateur. I had my first winner when I was eighteen on a horse called Bickley Bridge, which is a place just outside Tiverton. Um, for a trainer called John Robertson, he was thirty-three to one, and yeah, that obviously that that was my first step on the on the proper ladder, really. Well, there you go. That was how ITV Racing's Luke Harvey became a jockey, and not a bad one either. Okay then, fancy a day out the races next year? Well, our new sponsors, Bresbet, have come up with a competition where the lucky winner will win a day out for two at Utoxida Races in the special Bresbet Hospitality Box with food and drink all laid on, plus a £50 free bet. Can't be bad, can it? All you have to do is to name the two tracks at which Bresbet sponsored two major Greyhound races last year. And because we're nice people, we'll give you a couple of clues. Clue one, you tend to find a load of blades there on a Wednesday. And clue two, after racing, you could go for a quick dip. So there you go. How easy is that? Now just email us the name of the two venues and of course your name and address to info at threevalleysradio.com and that's three valleys spelt T-H-R-E-E Valley Radio, all one word. And we will pick the winner at the end of January 2022. So come on, get Googling and win that very special day at the races with Bresbet. Yeah, memories, memories. This is what this little section of the show is all about. We are going to try over the next few weeks to resurrect some memories for you with some of the classic races over the last 30 odd years. We will replay the commentaries and then we'll get in touch with the jockeys and have a chat with them and see what they remember about the race. Um, last week we started off with the first one which was Floyd which we did with our own Colin Brown and uh, as the weeks go by we will try and tie up with the leading race that particular weekend as well if we can. So uh, make sure you keep joining us at uh, 7 o'clock on a Friday night for the racing show and uh, roughly about halfway through the show, we will be doing our memories feature, which I hope you'll like. Three little kids for the flavour. Well, this week won't be much of a memory because it was only last week that the race was run, but we thought uh, as a change we would do this year's King George and as one of our um, regular guests in Gavin Sheehan very nearly got to the winning post, First, uh, we thought we'd uh, we'd have a chat with Gavin about how he came uh, up into third place on St Calvados. The Labrads King George with Richard Hiles. So lining right up across the course, you can see those first two fences. They'll be ahead of them and uh, they're fanned right out. They've got about three furlongs or so before they'll turn right. Two fences in a straight line and a hush falls over Kempton. You'll probably hear the crowd roar when they go away. Expectation high here. King George back in front of crowds. 
it is who leads them almost to gallop through the start. That's how fast they're heading off early. Asturian for launch, Manila Indo right in the firing line in those cheek pieces. Flanders Oboe is fourth as they arrive at the first of the 18 fences. Manila Indo and Frodon lead them over it. Tornado Flyer. Now that colour change of green and white made a slight mistake. Frodon and Manila Indo are really burning over the first couple of fences. Asturian. Falange races in third with Lost in Translation, Clandesobo and Chantry House effectively making a line of four. Behind those is Mr. Fisher, then Tornado Flyer, and last of all is St. Calvados. Two sub-14, 15-second furlongs early on. See how those numbers track out. Basically, if you're going faster than 15, you're trapping along in a three-mile chase as they turn down the side of the race course. And out in the lead, Minella Indo and Frodon are the first two. They have about a three to four length lead over Asterian Falange, Clandisobo and Chantry House. Lost in Translation was with them early on, but has drifted back off that pace with Tornado Flyer and the last two, Mr. Fisher and St. Calvados. So Frodon has got to the lead. It took a little while to see off the attentions of Manila Indo, but Frodon getting into that rhythm is out clear now by three to four lengths. Manila Indo closed on by Clandesobo and Chantry House, and there you can see the paces steady with a 16 and a half plus furlong as Frodon's now able to get into this racing rhythm. Watching them all over it, Mr. Fisher and St. Calvados were the last two. So that was the second of the ditches. Plain fence comes next. Frodon by a length for Brani Frost, leading Rachel Blackmore and Manila Indo. Big leap in third by Clandeso Bow in the two-tone green colours. The grey on the rails is Asterian for launch, lost in translation in the yellow, the blue braces, racing on the inside of Chantry House in the green and gold hoops, and the back three are Tornado Flyer, green and white diamonds, red, green and white for Mr. Fisher, and light blue and red for St. Calvados, who's last of the King George field, who are completely intact as they make their way up the home straight for the first time. Frodon it is who makes that turn first, leading by two lengths or so from Manila Indo, Clandesobo, and Asterian Falange in fourth place, who's jumped nice and straight so far the inside of Chantry House. Lost in Translation keeps getting on terms with that group and then losing his place. He's back to sixth again with Tornado Flyer, Mr. Fisher and St. Calvados. Frodon popping away out in front. A slight mistake by Mr. Fisher, his second of the race, as Frodon heads down towards the last. So it's Frodon, winner last year, leading Gold Cup winner Manila Indo and dual winner of the race, Clandis Oboe. Shows how high a quality we have in this particular renewal. Asturian Fallon just restrained there. His rider took a glance to the left, just underneath Clandis Oboe. The Chantry House as to the roar of the crowd. They set out on their final circuit, and once again, Manella Indo applies a bit of pressure, moves alongside Frodon, and the two joust again as they did over the first couple of fences. Asterian Falange and Clandes Oboe are third and fourth. Chantry House is in fifth place on the outside of Lost in Translation. Then Tornado Flyer, Mr. Fisher, and St. Calvados still kept wide at the rear of the field. Frodon has re-established the lead. Again, it's a couple of lengths over Manila Indo. Keeps moving up, but Frodon finding a little bit more. Manila Indo just chipping along in second place as Frodon's over the next. 
Fandes Ubo. Asturian Philology, mistake by Chantry House. Chantry House not going brilliantly at the moment. Green and Gold Hoops in sixth place. Lost in translation as Frodon attacks the next fence. Jumps it well. Last two, Mr. Fisher and St. Calvados. And Manila Indo has lost his place quite dramatically as well. Remember, going out on that final circuit, the horse in maroon was alongside Frodon. Now back in fifth place as Clandes Obo moves through into second. So Paul Nichols has the first two. Asterian Falange lost in translation. And between that pair is Manila Indo. Tornado Flyer from Mr. Fisher. Chantry House continues to drift back in the field. Green and gold hoops. But they are very tightly grouped here as they turn now down the back straight. There are seven fences to take in the Labrooks King George. Frodon out in the lead. Clandes Obo, the dark cheek pieces. Then Asterian Falange. Manila Indo jumps back up into third. Chantry House makes a mistake. And Chantry House is being pulled up. Chantry House had been struggling for the last quarter mile. One mistake too many, and he's pulled up after the 12th. Frodon in the lead. Clandes Obo, Tornado Flyer gets closer. Green and white. So does St. Calvados on the outside. Manila Indo continuing to flick on and off the bridle. Is dropping back through the field swiftly as Frodon heads them towards the fifth last. Clandes Obo second. St. Calvados on the outside. Paul Nichols with a one, two, three. Asterian Falange on the inside of Tornado Flyer. Then Mr. Fisher and Manila Indo can't give with them. St. Calvados, a big leap, takes it up in the King George. And now they make the turn for home. St. Calvados from Clandes Obo. Frodon, just a bit short of room, had to be switched in third. Tornado Flyer takes that position now as they head around the home turn. St. Calvados, his stamina now will be the question. Leads from Clandes Obo. Tornado Flyer and Asterian Falange ghosting into contention in fourth. Then Frodon and the King George concerns five as they race towards the third last. St. Calvados and Clandes Obo lead over it from Asterian Falange. Then behind these Tornado Flyer and it's Clandes Obo who finds more going to the second last. Tornado Flyer down the outside for Danny Mullins throws down the challenge. Clandes Obo and Tornado Flyer from Asterian Falange and it's Tornado Flyer who moves through to the lead. Pursued by his stable companion Asterian Falange then Clandes Obo heading down towards the final fence in the King George. It's Tornado Flyer from Asterian Falange who lands steeply and falls when in second but it's Tornado Flyer who is coming home clear to land the Labrooks King George but Danny and Welly Mullins. Tornado Flyer beat Clandes Obo. St. Calvados in third place. Then behind these was Frodon lost in translation. Asterian Falange is up on his feet okay. When he gets tired he just can't find a leg. He's fine. His rider's okay as well. Brian Cooper. Mixed fortunes for the Willie Mullins horses at the final fence. But Tor Wow. Well, what a finish that was. And I must admit I was getting really excited when Gavin moved into the lead on St. Calvados. But uh, sadly it wasn't to be ran out of a little bit of steam just when he needed it the most now at this point we had hoped to have a chat with Gavin Sheehan as we normally do most weeks but those of you who are watching the racing this week will know that uh, Gavin had a nasty little fall on high stake at Newbury and uh, Gavin was a little bit shaken and he didn't really want to have to come on the radio after that so for the moment we've left that in abeyance and we will catch up with Gavin sometime and we can have a chat with him then so I'm sorry about that put it down to the vagaries of national hunt racing but it certainly was one hell of a race and congratulations to Willie Mullins and his tornado flyer who uh, sneaked in and caused a bit of an upset I guess at 28 to 1 but no doubt the bookies were enjoying themselves on that one 
But nonetheless, well done to Gavin Sheehan and, of course, Paul Nichols, who trained the horse, St. Calvados, and uh, a very creditable third for him. And then, of course, the day after, we had the Welsh Grand National. Um, and congratulations to Sam Thomas for having a local winner over at Chepstow in the shape of I Will Do It. Well, now it's time to catch up with our regulars, and we're going to start off with Nick Schofield. Well, good afternoon, Nick. I hope you've had a very good Christmas and a nice, peaceful one. Yeah, good afternoon and happy Christmas to you all. Yeah, a very enjoyable time and busy with racing. So, yeah, all very good, really. Absolutely. And uh, not a bad Christmas return, really. Um, uh, where was it? Five-star getaway. Nice winner for you um, on uh, the 27th at Kempton and then a couple of uh, a third and a fourth as well. So that must have been a good day, really, one way or another. Yeah, all very good. It was a lovely performance from five-star getaway to win a big handicap like that. So, um yeah, no, very pleasing, and um, we got a busy few days ahead, so I'm um, looking forward to the new year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, must have been a bit disappointed in Sky Pirate, though. Oh, no, it's a phenomenal run in Grey Bond Company. Um, obviously, on a track that's right-handed, he's better left-handed on ground than too soft, and we're yeah. only beaten two lengths by a Tingle Creek winner. So, um, you know, hell of a performance, picked up a good bit of prize money, and, um, you know, all things considered, it was... Um, better than expected so um very 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 happy with him oh that's good then that's all right um so now looking looking forward a little bit you've got one tomorrow at haydock rocker den how does that look yeah lovely horse um there's a big race in him whether it's tomorrow i'm not sure but i'm sure there'll be a nice race with him throughout the year and three chances at uh, warwick the next day and then i think we had to choke them on saturday new year's day so um yeah, it's all go, 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 really. Yeah, and, and the three on uh, at Warwick, any, any of those got a good chance of winning? Yeah, they'd all got their own chances, yeah. So, um, yeah, with a bit of luck on our side, hopefully, yeah, we'll get a winner there. Yeah, and what, and what about Cheltenham? Have you got, have you got, how many runs have you got at Cheltenham? Yeah, right, riders on the storm in the big race. He ran a phenomenal race at Aintree the last time, finishing second. Yeah. He's gone well at the track before. Um, if he can put um, and reappearance <coughs> like he did a run like he did in his reappearance, and if he's come forward any way, then he should be bang there. Um, it's obviously a very competitive race, but he goes there with every chance. So no going out New Year's Eve then. No, definitely not. Mate. <laughs> no, that's a pity, but I suppose it comes with the territory, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So overall, looking back on your year, was it a satisfactory one from your <laughs> your perspective? Yeah, definitely. We rode over 50 winners and um, obviously Cheltenham Festival winner. And um, yeah, we've been, it's been a very good year, really. And yeah, can't complain. Um, lots of big winners amongst them. So um, yeah, really happy with it. And then, I mean, look at it, things now. After, after the Cheltenham meeting, I mean, obviously you carry on racing naturally and what have you, but is, is everything then geared towards, um, towards Cheltenham, really? Cheltenham and Aintree, there's obviously some big meetings in January, February, but yeah, a lot of people will be saving their horses for Cheltenham. But yeah, no, um, yeah, it'll be all, all systems go to the spring then. Yeah, yeah. 
well I think everybody would be looking forward to Joel on that's for sure but look Nick yeah. thank you ever so much for everything you've done for us during the year really appreciate it and yeah. uh, long may it continue so uh, you know we'll look forward to next year and hopefully we can have some uh, some uh, good uh, Cheltenham winners to celebrate uh, come March exactly yeah <laughs> be great wouldn't it okay Brilliant. well have a good thank new year Nick and, and thanks as I say thanks very much yeah. for, for helping us out on the show it helps a lot oh that was jockey Nick Schofield now it's time to catch up with Jamie Snowden up at Lambourne. Right, well, good afternoon, Jamie. Uh, I would think it's fair to say that you had a pretty successful boxing day. Yeah, was, um, thankfully, the form of the horses have continued. Obviously, there was, a, a, you know, so three or four days with no racing prior to Christmas and what have you. So um, racing's resumed Boxing Day, and, and thankfully, it's been a fruitful time since as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, looking at them, you had the Cornicelli second at Fontwell, which uh, obviously was not quite what you wanted, but if you could have something else, you know, second would do, wouldn't it, after uh, not winning? Yeah, he um, the, the the winner the winner's a useful horse and had graded form as well. So um, I think the winner the winner's pretty useful, and we've beaten the others, you know, a fair way. So um, in fairness, I think it was a, a nice run. Yeah, and then Kilcelly Bridge, which I watched on the TV, and I thought it was a brilliant run, really, considering the company he was in. Running in a Grade One there for the first time, um, he 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 was he ran very well to finish third and and picked up some some decent prize money for his efforts. Yeah, absolutely. And then of course we had uh, represented Bob, um, which thankfully I backed, and uh, he won well. Good. I'm glad you backed Madey. That was lovely. Yeah, unfortunately I backed another one as well, but it didn't. Uh, did the other one? What was it? Midnight something. Midnight Century, and yeah, he didn't jump very well, unfortunately. Mm. Gave, gave it away. He finished fourth, didn't jump very well. But um, representing Bob remains unbeaten over fences, which is great. Yeah, and and talking of representing Bob, I see looking at the uh, entries for uh, the next few days, you've got him down for, a, for certainly for a couple of races. Um, I, I'm presuming he's not going to run in every one, but w- which ones is he more likely to run in, do you think? Um, I think we'll probably take our time. I, I put those entries in before before we uh, before we ran yesterday, so oh, yeah. um, I, I should imagine we'll probably just take our time, be, be, abide ourselves with a bit of patience, and wait for the right opportunity. Probably in February time, yeah. we'll, we'll give we'll give him his flea back in in January, give him an easier time of this. And he's only a five year old, so he's got plenty of time. Yeah, quite. And then looking at tomorrow, you've got Thomas McDonough at Haydock. Uh, is that running? Thomas McDonough and um, and Valamix go to Haydock, and yeah. all right, Jack goes to uh, goes to Taunton. Taunton, yeah. Um, all, all going then. Um, any good? You know, any chances there? But yeah, I mean, they would all be they'll all be relatively big prices. I have to say, Ad. Um, mm. That's not to say that they won't have chances. Um, all, all right, all right, Jack. Obviously, won earlier on this this season. Um, he he stepped up in trip at Newbury and ran okay the last day, and uh, and he runs in a competitive race. He's off a high enough handicap mark, but yeah. um, he'll he'll have he'll have half a chance of a of a place at a big price. Thomas McDonough, um, he slightly lost lost his way. He he um, he lost his confidence in the Grand Sefton over the over the Grand National fences. Mm. So he's on a little bit of a comeback comeback sort of mission, as it were. Yeah. And Valamix. Um, he didn't run. He didn't run that well first time out in a bumper, but that was on good ground in a in a in a sort of um, a falsely run race. He runs on on heavy, vastly different ground this time around. Um, heavy ground at Haydock. So I'd like to hope hope for a, a, a decent result. But again, he'll be a big price. And then one runner at uh, Cheltenham on Saturday, Stony Mountain. Is that still running? 
Yeah, Stanley Manson, all, all being well, he's going to go to entry on, on uh, New Year's Day. Oh, sorry, Cheltenham on New Year's Day. Yeah. And I think no anxiety will probably head, head up to uh, Catterick on New Year's Day too. All right. Okay. So uh, at the moment, then all looking pretty positive. Yeah. No. Thankfully, they they all remain in great form. So um, looking forward to uh, looking forward to the new year and beyond. Really. Yeah. Quite. And uh, did you have a good Christmas generally? You, you, you and your family. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, we had a lovely time. Um, yeah, we 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 we're at home. My parents came up, and we had a, a few few guys from the yard came in for for lunch as well. So yeah. that was um, a. a a really really nice time and new year's eve anything happening then uh god i have to check the diary i can't <laughs> remember what we're doing new year's eve um we we might might be heading back to suffolk lucy's uh, my wife's um sister's birthday on on new year's day so that we might head back there and yeah but it's a bit of a trek back there and then off to chapman new year's day so we'll, we'll have to see yeah, well, well, whatever you do, enjoy yourself. Have a good time. It's been a, a good year. I mean, looking back, are you more than happy with the year that you've had? Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, plenty, plenty, plenty of winners and 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 decent horses. So no, certainly, certainly can't complain. But you know what it's like. You always want more in this game. Well, I'm sure you do. But uh, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't be the man that you are if you didn't if you push for more. I mean, nobody sits back and just takes it for granted it's going to happen because it's not, is it? You got you got exactly. to you got to earn it all. That's, that's the thing, isn't it? Really. So, uh, well, look, have yeah. a, have a brilliant new year. Thank you very much for all your contributions over the year, Jamie. It makes a big difference to our show, and we we really appreciate you doing it. Well, no, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on. So, thank you, Eddie. No, oh, thank you, and uh, happy new year to you and your family. That's very kind. Same to you, Eddie. All the best. And you. Bye for now. Speak, speak next year. Take yeah, care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, well now it's time to catch up with our good friend Mr. Dave Wilson of Harlequin Racing. Hello there, Dave. How's it going? Yeah, very well, Adrian. Nice couple of winners over Christmas, and uh, the one we tipped up for Wing Canton, she duly obliged, and for Jeremy Scotchyard, Petticoat Lucy. So uh, everything's going very well at the moment. That's what we want to hear, mate. That's what we want to hear. So we're where gonna... are we going? We're going to Cheltenham, are we first this week? Yeah, we're going to have a look at the Cheltenham uh, meeting, which is on Saturday, and we're also going to have a look at the Exeter meeting for any of the locals popping down to Exeter for the racing on New Year's Day. Okay, So fine. we're going to start off with the Cheltenham 12.15, and the one we like here is I Am Maximus, uh, going to be ridden by Nico de Boinville and trained by Nicky Henderson. He won't be a very big price. Now, this fella beat my Drogo, who's unbeaten since, apart from when he fell in that mysterious race up at Cheltenham a couple of weeks back. Uh, he beat him in a bumper race, and uh, he then came out at Exeter, funnily enough, and he, he got beat by one of Colin Tizard's called JPR1, but he ran very green that day, and uh, he didn't really, don't think he really knew what was going on, and then he came out the next time at Newbury, and he beat Ray- Raymond Tusk very easy. And Raymond Tusk, a 105-rated horse on the flat, so he should be rated around about a 140-ish sort of mark. So uh, I am Maximus is that sort of standard, so we think he'll win that first race there at Cheltenham on uh, Saturday morning. Okay. Moving down to the 12.50, the horse we like here is under supervision. Uh, the Twist and Davis boys, uh, Sam and Nigel. Uh, this fella, when we, we had a very big bet a uh, few about a month and a half, two months ago, uh, on Does He Know? And this fella was giving him a good race, and he just swerved off the course at the last bit where they go round the corner at Cheltenham instead of coming up the hill to the finishing line. And next time out, he, he had every chance in a 
in a race, and he just got beaten out of it by Coral Rambler of uh, Dr. Fox of riding it that day for uh, Lucinda Russell. And then he'd come out and uh, he had another good race where he fell, unfortunately, but he was going very well at the time. Uh, he's priced up about five to one, so we're going to take a chance on him there. And we think this race is a dropping class to what he's been running in. So uh, he looks well in on the form that we can see. Okay. Moving moving on down to the 125, a local horse we're going with here is Oscar Elite. Uh, Brendan Powell's going to be taking a ride for Colin Sizzard. This fella finished second in the Albert Bartlett at the Chantons Festival last year. And then uh, he was third in the Aintree Festival by behind a Hoy Senor and Brave Man's Game. And we've seen both of them win massive races this year already. So that's a standard of form that Oscar Elite can produce. Now, he didn't look very good last time out, but the previous time he had every chance and was looking best, like, like he was going best of all of them when he fell behind three under through five of Paul Nichols's. But as you say, he ran a poor race up at Huntsman since, but we think on a course that he's shown real solid form on, he'll be back on his game and he's priced up at 12 to 1 with bet 365 at the moment, so he'll be well worth an each way bet there. Alrighty, huh? Moving down to the two o'clock, a horse that we've backed before, Galahad Quest. Uh, David Noonan takes the ride for Nick Williams. This season... He's got some really nice form. He started the season off. He was two lengths third to Good Boy Bobby. Now, Good Boy Bobby's really shown some improved form this year, so that was a very good run. Now, we backed him when he was in the Paddy Power Gold Cup Galahad quest, and he ran fifth, but he didn't get a clear run that day. And then we backed him again up at Haydock, and unfortunately, he fell. And it was a very, very strange race. There was 10 runners in it, and only two of them finished. So it was very, very testing going and very hard in weather up there. So we're not going to hold anything against him for that run, but we're going to take a chance on him at around about 9 to the 1, 10 to 1 at the moment. Going to have Quest in the 2 o'clock. Right, yeah. Moving down to the 235, another localish horse, Neil Mulholland's uh, Kansas City Chief. And he's ridden by Victoria Mazard. She's rode him uh, most of the time lately. Now, this horse has improved every year he's raced, and he turns 13 tomorrow, like all the horses. They age one year on the 1st of January. Now, this fella's 12 years old at the moment, has his birthday overnight, and he comes out as a 13-year-old. But as you say, every year his form's improved, and this year his, his form's just absolutely amazing for his age he come out and he won a class two at Cheltenham at 20 to 1 he then ran two and three quarter lengths behind Sporting John in a class one listed event and then he come out and won another race at Cheltenham off of a handicap mark at 127 now they've put him up four pounds for this race and I think he's still going to be in with a chance the form that he's been showing in the first three runs of this season and he's priced up around about nine, nine or ten to one at the moment Kansas City Chief there in the 235 race Okay. Down to the three ten. One of the big bets that we're going to be having of the weekend: uh, McFabulous, Harry Cobden, and Paul Nichols. This fella's won seven races out of the thirteen that he's competed in, and is a four-time Class One winner. He's won three Grade Two races and one Grade Three, and he goes very well fresh, and he's got some good form at Cheltenham as well. And uh, he won this race last season when it was transferred over to Kempton because uh, Cheltenham Fest, uh, the Cheltenham meeting got pulled off due to bad weather. Now, next two runs, he actually finished behind Brewing Up a Storm, but he's had a 
one of these uh, magic wind surgeries, as they call them, and I would fully expect him to come back out bang on form. And obviously, when Paul Nichols sends a horse to Cheltenham, it's normally nine times out of ten going to be very well supported. And uh, we think he will be there tomorrow in the three ten race. Look fabulous. Okay, fine. Moving down to the last race on the card at Cheltenham, the three fifty. Uh, it's a National Hunt flat race, and. Uh, what further do you want to look for than Paddy Brennan and Fergal O'Brien in one of these races? And uh, they've got poetic music in this one. Two runs, two wins. One of them was for John Butler. And after she won for John Butler, the Fergus O'Brien team uh, moved in and uh, purchased her for about 60,000 guineas, I think it was, or 60,000 euros, or whatever they buy them in this day and age. <laughs> and in that debut race, she... Uh, she had the horse in second, third, and fifth. They've all come out on one since, and the horse that was in fourth hasn't yet raced. So obviously everyone will want to be backing him when he comes out, and it's named Sarson, so we're waiting for him to reappear. So she then, uh, as I say, she then changed hands, and she came out at Newbury, and she absolutely skated up there for the O'Brien team. And uh, looking at looking at the seven-pound allowance she gets with most of the runners in this race because she's a mare, I would imagine she'd be very, very well in. And she's priced up at 100 to 30 at the moment with William Hills. And I cannot see that lasting too long, that price of air. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we've got for Cheltenham. Uh, we're going to be moving over to Exeter for a quick run down there for everyone that's going to have a look there. The 12.40 race is the opening one of the meeting, and we like Mario de Pal, Stan Shepard and Sam Thomas. Sam Thomas is team are in tremendous form they won the welsh grand national with i will do it and uh his stable's really thriving since he's moved down to wales this year so this fella's won off of a handicap mark of 133 over hurdles on soft going at weatherby and he, he beat gustavian who's probably the likely race favorite here he beat him three and three quarters on heavy going at in a national hunt race at Foss last last year as well so uh we think mario de power has got a very good chance in the first race there right the one the 115 we like harry fry's horse in this one dubrovnik harry going to be ridden by Lorcan murta impressive debut he, he was only a nose behind one of the other runners in this race american jerry now american jerry's had about four or five races previous to that one so he's got a lot of experience now only being a nose between them and it was dubrovnik harry's first ever race on the track i think he has step up on form and the race is over an extra two furlongs and if you watch the race dubrovnik harry was staying on all the time and Another two yards, he would have gone past American Jerry on the line. So uh, we think he's going to easily reverse the form there. Righty Moving down to the 150, uh, Gamera, uh, Lorcan Williams is taking a ride for Venetia Williams. Impressive winner on uh, his debut in Foss And he had a horse behind him that day called Man of the People. Now, Man of the People is racing at 12.22 at Utopsitter on Friday. So just to have a check of the form it just look at that race result before you have a bet on gamma ray in the 150 at exeter and that'll give you more indication of how good he is there so uh, 150 gamma ray right moving down to the 225 samuel jackson going to be running by james best for robert milford slade and this fellow when he came onto the scene in uh, 2017 with his trainer i believe he was a point-to-point trainer prior to that he come out at taunton he won at 100 to 1 so uh, 
he had handicap marks where he won of 133 and 132, and he's now down to 126. So he's well in on the handicap rating, and he's had a pipe open of his season. So we think he'll have a very good chance of uh, running well in that 225 there, Samuel Jackson. I take it he won't be 100 to 1 this time. <laughs> More's the penny. No, I don't. I, I think it'd be just a little bit under double figures, but not 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 majorly. Yeah. It's a bit hard to say at the moment because they haven't got all the betting open on anything at, at the minute. But as I say, like when he came out and he, he won that race at 100 to 1, everyone started looking to find out who the trainer was because he yeah. was very unknown. Absolutely. Obviously, it was his first ever runner under rules. So yeah. Uh, yeah. it was a, I remember it quite well. <laughs> Uh, moving on down to the three o'clock, horse in here, keep rolling. Uh, Miguel Nolan's taking ride for Philip Hobbs. This is owned by Mix Fitzgerald. If you watch racing channels, you'll see Mick giving commentary on the jockeys and he's uh, one of the jockey trainers as well. He helps all the young jockeys out. Uh, this is one of his racing club horses. Now, he, he had his first run of the season and he was very disappointing. Uh, then he come out and he looked like he was going to win the race and he just blew up and went caught. And uh, I've got a funny feeling he's going to take a big step forward tomorrow down at Exeter in the 3 o'clock, and I think he'll run a very big race there. So keep rolling in uh, 3 o'clock. The 3.35 at Exeter on uh, Monday, one here to keep a very big eye on is called Drachon Ruby. Going to be ridden by Rex Dingle and trained by Jeremy Scott. Now, Jeremy Scott's having an absolute fantastic time at the moment. As I say, Petticoat Lucy was uh, one that we tipped up and told everyone about the information we had for Wing Can. And on Boxing Day, that was trained by Jeremy Scott. Drashel Asher, who won uh, at Newbury as well over the weekend, won a big race up there and is also a Class 1 grade winner. He's actually the full brother to Drash, Dash, Drash on Ruby. So that shows the sort of class that she may well turn out to be. And she's two years younger than Drash or Dasher. So uh, it's her opening race in a handicap. And she's only got a mark of 101, which in my day, when I was playing sport, I think I could have got a handicap mark of around about 90. So we'll have to have a look at, see how she gets on in that one. But I think she's going to be a very big star of the future in the coming year or so. So keep an eye on Drash on Ruby in the 335 there at Exeter. You would have done the weights though, mate. Don't worry about it. No, I don't think I've ever done under 15 stones since I was born. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. There you go. Uh, the, four, the 4.05 at Exeter, uh, you might as well stick this race up on the dartboard and throw a dart at it. That's how much form that we can actually read. But the only thing that we've taken out of the race is Milton Harris is having an absolutely fantastic season and he's got a runner in here called Hasty Parisian. And when it ran up at Wink Hansen on debut, there was a lot of money supporting it, and it didn't actually run very well. So we obviously think it's obviously showing a lot more at home, and uh, there was obviously a reason why they backed it at Wink Hansen. So uh, I would imagine there'll either be a flood of money for it again, and it'll run a little bit better. So, uh, but it's just, as I say, if you need to have a bet in the race, put the race up on the dartboard and lob a dart in and pick pick one out that way but hasty Parisians the only one that we've got any clue for there with the weight and money that supported it on debut so that's what we've got for the weekend's racing for you mate and hopefully there'll be a fair few winners there for everyone well let's hope so mate let's start the new year as we all mean to continue that's the way I look at it so. yeah that's it okay then Dave well thank you very much for that and um, we will look forward to speaking to you next year as they say yeah, no problem. Happy New Year to everyone there and a Happy New Year to all the listeners too. Thank uh, you very much, mate, and the same to you and your family. Lovely, thanks a lot.
Thanks, mate. Well, that was Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. Now it's time to go on safari to the frozen north of Sweden, no less, to catch up with Colin Brown. Well, good morning, Colin. What's it like up in the frozen north today? Ah, well, it's not quite so frozen, Eddie. We've had um, snow. We've had minus 13 or 14 a couple of days. But it is just one of those miserable sort of days that you probably get down in Somerset. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah. A lot d- dank weather, about six or seven degrees above, and damp and miserable. No, we've had we've had that right over Christmas. In all honesty, mate, it's been pretty pretty miserable. Uh, pretty miserable, really. Well, let's hope let's hope all the listeners had a lovely Christmas. That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my five winners last week, I know they weren't great prices, but just before we went on air, I was just saying to Aidy that, um, you know, sometimes with, with a lot, when you've got quite a few horses and you can quite fancy them, you know, I sometimes mess up, mess about, put them in a little sevenfold just in case, you know, something went mad and they all won because for a couple of quid, well, you know, you can back a sevenfold comes about a hundred grand or something. Yeah, um, yeah. And then put them all in little doubles and trebles for 10 or 20p. Um, little various bets and I was just saying I, I, I made a couple of hundred quid in the last week for very small money just playing about with a few yeah. doubles and trebles and you know those sort of bets really uh, having a fivefold and then putting them into doubles and trebles and yeah but you're, you're, the trouble is your idea of very small money is like 500,000 on one horse isn't it so I mean you, you know you are the, the well, nouveau rich so we have to take that into account yeah. when you make these statements of fact you know uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. I yeah, know what you're saying. yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, my first selection comes from Musselburgh today, right. and um, and and he's a horse that was. I'll tell you the name and the time in a second. He was a horse that was third at a place called Chateau Brian oh. in France. I, I, bet, I bet you really like. Yeah, well, it could be, but I bet you really like Chateau Brian, don't you? Uh, I've never you tried know, it, nice I don't think. Sauce. Oh, Have yeah. you? You must get Avis to cook it for you. Lovely yeah. Chateaubriand. Oh, Beautiful. A little bit of steak cooked in a nice sauce. Yeah, okay. Anyhow. I'll, I'll mention it. Yeah. Mention it to us. Get mm. back to the horse racing. Yeah. yeah, so Four Nichols does pretty well when he takes horse to Musselburgh. And he runs a horse called Individualist in the uh, first race of 12.30, number three. And I think it will take a bit of beating. So that's the one, the first horse that I like up at Musselburgh in the 12.30 and it's called Individualist. Okay. Uh, right, 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 right. On to the uh, the next race on the card. Mm, Nichols runs another one here called Carry On Magic. There hasn't been really shown a lot of good form so I'm going to give it a body's worth today and uh, move on to the 140. It's called the Betway Hair of the Dog. Have you uh, had to have the hair of the dog over Christmas because you've drunk too much wine or vodka or anything? No, not really. I've, no, I've been you know, positively sort of um, cautious, shall we say. Just, you know, I've had a, have you? Bit, of, I've had a bit, of, bit of wine. You see, I'm also considered to be a complete peasant because I like Blue Nun. So I, I have to, admit, oh, to yeah. drink in a bottle of Blue Nun on Christmas Day, which um, 
I went down well, yeah. But uh, people think I'm a peasant because I like blue nun. Well, I think it's a question of if you like it, you like it. What the hell does it matter whether it's called blue nun or Tesco's best? You know? That's... Yeah, no, blue nun, that was a nice old drink back in the 1970s. Yeah. Um, when you, you know, and uh, get it out of the fridge, long, thin bottle of blue nun, lovely. Yeah, yeah. But it is a little bit, um, it's a little bit uh, dated, I'd say, but. There, yeah. I well, suppose, what does that say about you? A little bit dated, yeah. <laughs> 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 anyhow, right. let's see if we can find... So what else are we doing here, then? What, what are we on here? Uh, I, the, my next selection at Muscle runs in the 325. It's called Angel of Harem. Hang on a minute, you said the 140. Yeah, no, I said the 140, uh, the hair of the dog race, yeah. I said I don't really fancy anything in that oh, race. Right. No okay. bet in that race. Okay. No. No. So three twenty five. So, um, I'm looking. Yeah, three twenty five. Just a couple of bets up at Musselburgh. It's uh, three twenty five. There's a horse called um, Angel of Harlem, and it's trained by Ollie Murphy, a guy I can't pronounce the name actually because it's uh, Irish jockey. Um, it looks like Duroid, but I know you don't um, pronounce it like that. Harney. Uh-huh. Anyhow, he claimed. He claims seven pounds off this mare because he hasn't ridden ten winners and he rides for a stable here. And it's got a little bit of form. Um, and not ten pounds off its weight today, I think she'll probably win. Right, so okay. that's my second selection. It's called Angel of Harem in the uh, in the last race. Right. Um, right. We are going to go from um, Scotland on the east coast of Scotland. We're going to come down to the south coast of uh, England on the west and uh, start at Exeter. I really love Exeter. I went there the other day to do a job for um, Sam Whaley Cohen, you know? He has uh, a dentistry business and it's called Portal Dentistry or something. Mm -hmm. And there's loads of shops all over, um, what do you call them? Um, They're called dentist shop, the surgery. Surgery, yeah, yeah, he's got about 300 of them, I think. So I went down there and uh, entertained some of his um, staff. It was a lovely day. And, uh, uh, and it was really good. Young Hannah, who runs the hospitality there, she looked after us well. And we had a right old day. It was good fun. So down at Exeter for the 12.40, that's the first race on the Did car. Do you have any fillings um, done? Hmm. Do you not? It's funny you should say that. I didn't. But, you know, when I left to come to Sweden the other day, I just had a little crunch on a piece of toast or something, and a little filling came out, which is a nuisance. Always yeah. happens look, when you're just going away. Yeah. But luckily, it's been touch wood. It's been okay. So uh, don't mention the fillings yeah. again. Yeah, no. Anyhow, down at Exeter, there's a... Don't mention the fillings. Down at Exeter, there's a horse that ran uh, the other day there. It was beaten about 15 lengths, but it was trained by Philip Hobson, and that was in a handicap chase. And um, I think it could win here today. It, it just wanted a bit of softer ground, right? And it's called Long Shanks, number five, and that's in our first race in Exeter, the 115, um, the 1240, should I, I say. I mentioned it, but I think I got away with it. <laughs> you mentioned it and got away with it. Good yeah, boy. Yeah. Long Shanks. Absolutely, I think you might have just got away with that one. Yeah. Uh, right, well done. Um, on to second race there. 
Hobbs could win it with the horse called Forever Des But Harry Fry runs quite a nice horse in it called Dubrovnik Harry, which was third in a national flat race here, not beaten very far. The other horse called Hermes Boy. And I think this horse might win. Dubrovnik Harry in the 115, that's horse number four, trained by Harry Fry. Harry's always has been a little bit in and out, hasn't he, really? Yeah, One minute yeah. you think, hang about, they're absolutely flying, they're winning, and then a couple get beaten, you think, oh dear, I don't know about that one today. Mm. Uh, but I think that's the way it goes with blooming horses. It's, they're, they're not um, they're not machines, and, um, you know, you just never know. No, anyway. That's true enough. Never a that word been spoken in jest. And of course, Absolutely. I mentioned it, but I think I got away with it. It was, of course, um, uh, Faulty Towers, but you weren't onto the same wavelength at all, were you? Oh, long shanks. What, what were we talking uh, about? Don't mention the war. Or in your case, don't mention uh, the filling. Yeah. No, I, I, well, I, I... I did, but I think I got yeah, away yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah? yeah? Uh. I know. Oh, what, Faulty Towers, I'll tell you what. I wonder if Mary watches 40 Towers. I bet she does. Yeah. I don't know. You can watch it on your iPad now, can't you? Go yeah. on to Netflix or something. Yeah. But 40 Towers is just my favourite programme. In fact, sometimes, when she's sort of getting on at me a bit, I do call my wife Sybil <laughs> because I get a few instructions on what to do. And uh, I, I often get away with it because she's sweet. Yeah, yeah well. So the sweet, sweet don't always get the joke. So, um, oh, that's yeah, trouble, I it? love 40 Towers. Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. A, fr- a, fr- a right. friend of mine, Charlie James, who used to train uh, in East Garston, he's got a great son called Ed, who I do a bit of hospitality for. He went to school at Eton. You probably went there. He uh, went to school at Eton with John, with John Cleese. Oh, did he? Right, yeah, yeah. 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 He did. Yeah. No, I didn't. I went to Crook and Secondary no. Modern. So there you go. Did you? Yeah, mm. I, I I wouldn't been surprised if you said you didn't go to school at all. <laughs> no, I did actually. I did because you know, Mummy and Daddy were teachers, so I really was under a bit of pressure. Um, oh, know. were they? Well, at yeah. school? Yeah, uh, no, what, not at the, not, not at the same school, but they were local schools. Oh. But um, fortunately, not at the same school. Now that would have been a bit bit too much to bear. So. Oh. Yeah, that would have been a bit too much to bear. Those were the days, mate. That was 1963 ish. So, you know. Was it really? Yeah. I left school in 69, so you're not that much older than me. No, not really. I remember we came down here in 1962, Christmas, to live in Somerset. Yeah. And. Did you? That particular winter, it absolutely snowed and it snowed and it snowed. Yeah. And the weather outside was boring. Anyway, come on, what about the next race? I tell you what, I bet the listeners have gone now, don't you? I bet they just shut their radio off and gone. Even Mary, I bet she switched her blooming radio off and gone back. I wonder what she's up to tonight. I must give her a call over the new year and uh, see what she's up to. Right. Probably out dancing somewhere. Yeah, tripping the night, fantastic, I swear. I would have thought so. Yeah. I would have thought so. Right, um, where are we? We're on the 150 uh, Exeter, we... I hope. Yeah, no, we are. One second. We are now on the 225 Exeter, because I've done the other, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, it's called 
Haven't I? No. Well, I didn't have a bet in it, that's why. Oh, right. I didn't anything in it. Okay. That's why I didn't do that. So, yeah, and the 225X, have you been drinking? No, not yet. <laughs> Good boy. Uh, right, the next case, I'm going to go for another hub source here called um, Gosh Even, number five. It was second X the last time out. It's got pretty good form. I would say it will take a little bit of beating. Okay. And that leaves us with the big meeting of the day, Cheltenham. Yep. Uh, first race, 12.15. When I was riding, obviously, if I was at Cheltenham or somewhere the next day, well, anywhere, riding the next day, you know, but might celebrate New Year's Eve, but you wouldn't get too over-refreshed. You'd have to be a little bit, um, uh, you know, well-behaved, mm-hmm. I suppose you have to say. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and yeah, let's try and find you the first winner at Cheltenham. I'm going to look here and just have a little read-up, because there's a horse I quite like in the 12.15, and he's a winner at Newbury last time out, and then he was third X, and then he did win a National Hunt flat race, and he's called I Am Maximus. And he's, tra- he's bi-authorised, he's trained by Nicky Henderson, gorgeous-looking gelding, he says. Um, he's uh, been one of the top National Hunt sires, and this one, I think he thinks a lot of. Okay, it's a winner last time out at Newbury, bit or score Raymond Tusk very easily. Two ahead, ridden out on the running. I think he'll win again. I am Maximus okay. in our 12-15 at yeah. Cheltenham. Right. Um, right, they've got a new restaurant there. It's called the New 48 Restaurant. Um, Henderson runs one in the race called Brave Eagle. He's been a bit disappointed in that horse. And New Tide from the stable of Kim Bailey's. It's one of those pretty open type of races. Um, Which race? Flat. The second race, the twelve fifty. Twelve fifty. Sort of one of those races where I looked at it earlier on. And I thought, "Am I going to have a bet in this?" And I thought, "No, I'm not." So I'm going to go on to the paddy car and obviously chase. Uh, registers as a dipper chase. I remember I won this on Coombe Stitch many years ago. Um, and there's a horse in this race that I think will go pretty close to win. There's two of them actually. One's called the Glancing Queen, and the other horse is called Le Homme Press, and it's trained by Venetia Williams. And I think I tipped it up the other day when it won at Ashgate. I did. Before that, it won at Exeter, and it was very impressive when it won both places. Um, nudged out clear after to her easily. I think it'll win again. It's called Le Homme Press, and he runs in the in the um, 125 there at Cheltenham. I think... The Glancing Queen would be a good name for you, really. Queen, yeah? Mm, I think, I think yeah, the Glancing Queen has got a certain ring to it, I think, you know. Uh, I think you should I, seriously I you consider what, I, adopting I, that. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Well, I'm a, I'm a big Queen fan, as in Her Majesty. Yeah. And also, years ago, of course, it's over 20 years ago since Freddie Mercury died, but um, you know, I'm a great uh, fan of Queen. Are you? I prefer other bands, put it that way. Um, oh, do you? Yeah, you, I, you, they're okay. You, I mean, I don't sort of hate them or anything. I just, there are just other bands that I prefer. Oh. So there, I shut that's that right. really conversation line off like a, like a shut, shut door. That shut, 
Let's shut that up yeah. right away. Right, I I am looking at a race which I don't like that much, and that's the two o'clock. I think it looks a very difficult race. Um, just one of those races where anything could win it. So yeah. I'm going to give it a miss, okay. and we're going to move the two thirty-five as a handicap hurdle. This is a little bit more up my street, and um, <clears throat> there's one or two decent horses in this. One of them, of course, is a horse called Botox. Has well, you've got a load of that, haven't you? Botox, that's right up your street. Load of Botox, I've had loads of loads. And the Botox has this is for the uh, for the cheek pieces. The um, it's got the cheek pieces on Botox, has it's brilliant. Um, and yeah, no, I think the horse has got a great chance. Botox has, and it runs in the uh, 335 at Cheltenham. So that's my selection there. You'll make uh, Gary no, Moore again again. I see you. I definitely Gary remember you've got Moore. something going on there. I reckon so. Yeah, but look at all the winners I gave you last week. You had two or three winners down there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, on 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 to the three ten. The rail kill hurdle. Do you know why it's called that? Uh, no. no I presume it's named uh, after a horse called Rail Kill. Yeah, you're right. It was trained by David Nicholson, Rail Kill, Doug Williams rider. Anyhow, um, that's the race that it's named after. And I won this race actually many years ago on a horse called Buckby that was trained by David Ellsworth. And um, Buckby's a... She was a good mare, actually. I was talking to... Well, the owners are dead now, sadly, Anne and Jim Tory, but I was talking to their daughter the other day. And um, they live in Winterbourne, Kingston, a place down Dorset, and they bred Buckby, and she was a great mare. She was buried in their grounds of their farm there, along with Coombs Dish. So she won this well a few years ago. I think this year it will be won by Brewing Up a Storm. So that's the one to be on there. Okay, Brewing Up a Storm. Brewing Up a Storm. Right, right. the last race is a national flat race. And, do you know what we got? Cool, blooming hell. We have got trainers like, it's a junior national bumper. So, basically, it's for three-year-olds. So, the last three-year-old of the year, because there'll be every horse on the 1st of January becomes four. And yeah. I think that uh, should be the same with people, really. Instead of having birthdays all spread out all over the year, everybody had their birthday on the 1st of January. Get it over with. Have a good old party. That's the end of all that stupidness. <laughs> And that's what I reckon. Anyhow, Alwazar, Archie Watson's won a couple of bumpers. Then we got Eve Johnson-Horton in the race, The Shining Moon. we got Andrew Boarding with a horse called Beyond Boundaries. I mean... And we've got Rod Millman. Trainers. R- Rod Millman. And is... Rod Millman has got... Yeah. Oh, I know. I tell you what, and they really cost some money, some of these horses. Yeah. The Shining Moon. I don't know what that costs, 17 grand. That's not a lot of money. But... Um, Al was Al was it called Alzwar? That three hundred grand as a yearling. Oh. Yeah, three hundred thousand pounds yearling went through the ring for twenty three grand new market in July, cool. and then the one of Andrew Boardings that cost three hundred grand. And I don't know about your mate Norman's, um, that cost six. <laughs> so you never know who could win this. Let's have a little go on through. We've got. Chris Gordon in the race, Mel Rowley, Milton Harris. Ooh, I mean, it's a 
it's a pretty good race. And Henderson's got a horse in the race called Royal Match. You have to sort of respect Henderson's when they have a run on these type of races. But I don't know whether it's any good or not. But do you know, I'm going to go for... Gosh. I am going to go for Al Alazwar. And it's trained by Watson. It's a horse I think that could probably go and win. And it's won two races at Huntingdon, so they had a bit of experience. And it was favourite both times. And well, it was third at Huntingdon last time, should I say, before that it won. So I reckon that's got a big chance. But I suppose you have to really respect Andrew Bordings as well, the one that cost an awful lot of money at the yearling. And that is called um, Beyond Boundaries. In fact, I'm going to change my mind and go for Beyond Boundaries. And uh, King Power Racing owns it. Sean Bowen rides it. That's what I'm going for. Beyond Boundaries. Beyond right. Boundaries, number three in the last race. And that is it, listeners. Happy New Year to you. Have a great, great time. Um, and, uh, you know, don't get too over-refreshed. Mary, Happy New Year to you. And yeah, Jean, absolutely, Mary. You're going to come on the show next year. Or oh, this year. Well, next year, whatever. Yeah, well, um, yeah we're going to get, get that Mary sorted. <clears throat> definitely yeah, going to get that yeah, sorted. And yeah. then we will really turn you into an absolute showbiz icon, I'm telling you. Absolutely, that's exactly what we will do with Mary. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. All the friends will be listening to you on the radio. So that's it then, is it, Colin? That's it for this year. That's it. That is it for this year, old boy. Well, Happy New Year to you, and I hope and so uh, your listeners have a lovely, lovely New Year. Look forward to speaking next week for uh, yeah. getting into the New Year. We've got to get, you know, get sorted and get going. Yeah, we certainly have. We certainly have, although... We've got a few things lined up, which I will discuss with you off-air. Okay, we will do that. Okay. Good to speak to you. And you. Happy New Year to you. Well, there we go. That was Colin Brown there, up in Sweden, with his skis and his snow, getting ready for a bit of a jolly tonight. So thank you, Colin, for all your help during the year. And that basically brings us to the end of the show and the end of the year. Because, of course, it's New Year's Eve today and you lot will be all out having a good old time while I should be watching John Wayne. So, uh, there we go. Boring, I know, but, uh, well, when you get old, you start doing these things, really, don't you? So, in the meantime, thank you very, very much for listening to us throughout the year. I hope you've enjoyed it. Keep it up next year and don't forget Bresbet's competition where you can have a free day in the Bresbet Hospitality Box in Utoxeter next year together with a £50 free bet all the food and all the drink that you can eat so it can't be bad uh, but then until then uh, we will join you of course next year but also next week um, and uh, don't overdo it but have a good time and until then this is Sadie Hopper saying thanks ever so much for listening and we'll join you next week bye bye <laughs>